1: Listening to Into the Valley a Phoenix Suns podcast, a part
0: of the Brightside Podcast Network.
1: Welcome everybody into the valley. I am Ethan Shutt, joined as always by Philip Russell and Ryan Shutt. How are y'all doing this fine Tuesday late evening? What it do, baby? Uh, doing pretty well, man. Other than uh, the uh, the Mavericks stinker, it's been a good week. I'm I'm sorry did they play the Mavericks? I must I must have missed that. Yeah, we, I mean I a few actually teams have hung out I think. I actually have some some strong opinions about that game that might be a little contrary, but we'll get there uh shortly. Philip, how are
2: you doing? I'm good. I've had a very good week personally. But I'm nervous about tonight cuz we're going to have to talk about how this ints absolutely dogged my favorite team.
1: Mm, and
2: uh Rip and this might turn into End of the Valley, a Chicago Bullshit Blow It Up podcast.
1: <laughs> I have been excited to talk about the Bulls game just because... That makes I, one of us big guys. I just i want, I want you to, to, to take that one and do what you will with it. Uh, but yeah, since we last recorded, we have had five games, which is crazy. And you might think like, wow, have you not recorded in two weeks? No, like we were a little behind, but the Suns have been playing a lot. Uh, I think three games in the last four nights um, from Monday and before, like they have been playing a lot. And I and again, we'll talk about the Mavs game later. I think there could be things playing into that. But we've
0: got a lot to discuss. And might I say for the folks who were uh, audio only uh tuner inners for our wonderful mm. podcast. Tuner inners, uh, yes. Ethan's mustache is looking phenomenal. And if you are not watching, uh you are truly missing out. That man has
1: uh just something special going. It's just the beginning guys. Just the beginning. Uh will it still be here when the Suns are in the playoffs? I hope so. I think that could be a lot of fun. Oh it's not going anywhere. <laughs> You're growing it till May? Absolutely I am. That's uh my quarter life crisis. It's just growing out of mustache uh for far too long. Wanted to go
2: what? What Philip? You not live into a hundo. Yeah, you're you're probably past a the quarter there, homie. You don't
1: think I'm making
2: it to 108? Nope.
1: Dang it, man. I gotta figure. I gotta figure out what crisis I need to hit now. Either way, mustache isn't going anywhere. Uh, shameless plug, shameless plug for the YouTube channel into the Valley Phoenix Suns podcast, where you can see my mustache whenever you'd like. Um, and a quick shout out to the Bright Side Podcast Network. Want to start this episode? I know we're already a couple minutes in, but wanted to give a public shout out. Thank you, whatever, uh, to Dave King. If you No, Dave, from the Bright Side Podcast Network and the Bright Side of the Sun website. Dave has been doing stuff within Suns Media, Suns Fandom for a hot minute. Uh, The reason we are here on this podcast network is because of Dave's kindness, generosity, whatever you want to call it, reaching out and giving us this opportunity. Uh, He, this is a funny word he re- er, he retired from podcasting. He's still going to be writing, he's still going to be up doing work on the website which uh Philip and I are now involved in which has been fun as well. But Dave is stepping away from podcasting. I have been listening to Dave podcast for I was trying to think, I think it's been a t- a little bit over 5 years with the solar panel. Um as a Suns fan who didn't have a lot of friends who were Suns fans or connections to the NBA, uh Dave and their podcast was the first thing I ever found to kind of get me connected to other Suns fans, so just wanted to give some love to Dave. Congratulations for doing it! We've been doing this for two-ish years. That depends. Do we go I back don't... to ninety-four fifty and NBA no, the podcasts? no, the the defunct ones stay defunct. But I mean, <laughs> I feel like I feel like we've been doing this for a while, and to think that it's over twice what we've been doing with this. Mix in that he had other hosts come in and out. Uh, a big achievement to do that and to continue to have the audience that he had, uh, especially that Saturday morning crew. I know I, I don't remember. Did have all of us guessed on that? I know yeah. I was it just, just me. I knew, I knew the invite had been extended to the whole group. Uh, I think the, the willingness to wake up on a Saturday morning might just be me, but ah, yeah. got Wait, you to, both. To, ah. answer,
0: to <laughs> answer your question. If we do include uh, the now defunct podcast, that was our first go at all this uh we have episodes dating back as far as december 2nd of 2018 oh i don't count that
1: no way
2: but this one we're coming up on two years we're getting when, close to two years when the right. new year's when the new year starts also i need you to put some respect on my name and let <laughs> you're the too listeners, busy up running on there saturday we i was gonna say let the listeners know down. what i'm actually doing on saturday mornings i'm not Phillip, i'm not Phillip's a little
1: fit boy who runs and stuff and that's really cool i'm really happy for you buddy Uh, But no, anyway, I think if Dave is listening, he's like, all right, guys, you're now officially going too long on this one. So hi, Dave. Congrats to Dave. Um, And a quick uh, announcement, I guess, kind of related to that. In talking with Dave and the response to his show coming to an end. One of the big things that was said from a, a pretty loud group is that they were going to miss Having the Saturday morning staple of a sun's podcast, um, and so, in talking to Dave, we pitched the idea of us taking our show and moving it to that time. Now, we don't know if it'll be a permanent thing, but starting in twenty twenty three beginning of January, uh we are going to be trying that out, so we are going to be doing our show saturday mornings ten a m central time eleven a m eastern. Depending on the the, one time Easter time impacts me. Depending on the cycle of the daylight savings, you weirdos in Arizona—no offense—I who knows what time it is there at any moment. Uh, But we're going to have a set schedule, and we're hoping that you guys who might just be audio listeners will check out the YouTube channel. We'd love to have folks joining in, adding to the comments, making this a little bit more interactive. Uh, As much as I love talking with Philip and Ryan. You guys just have to listen. You don't get to talk back. And our hope is with the YouTube channel, you guys joining, you can become a part of the conversation. So we're excited to give that a run. Give it a try. See how it goes. Uh, Dave has – I haven't told you guys this. Dave has already called dibs on First Guest. Uh, and I'm Excellent. I'm pretty excited about that. Excellent. I will say since it's our show, we won't let him use his uh, video clips that make me slightly uncomfortable at times. Uh, we will be in control there. Uh, but we, we can see what we can do there. But all right, guys we're we're a good 5 minutes in the people listening are are tired of this they want to talk about the five basketball games that we need to cover um usually we give credit to those that properly predict the wins and losses there's a a bit of a, a funky asterisk in a sense when we recorded last we didn't think we would be waiting till after the mavs game and philip i believe the only person to guess 3 and 1 which is what the suns were going in to the Mavericks game. Is that correct? I think Ryan and I both went four and in terms of the guess. I mean, based on how bad they beat the bulls, maybe you can count that as another win, <laughs> but, uh, well,
0: you just never predict losing to the rockets, you know, like that's just
1: the rockets, the rockets got us. The sun's, the sun's kept things interesting, uh, in classic fashion, going to do a quick recap for those who maybe weren't able to catch up with all the games. Uh, Started off since we last recorded, Suns beat the Kings one twenty two one seventeen in a game that went very similarly to how we predicted it would. Uh, Followed that one up. <laughs> this is the time where you might want to close your ears, Philip. Uh, the Suns beat the Bulls one thirty two to one thirteen. Could have been worse, mm. but anyway, I digress. Followed that up with a upsetting annoying disappointing loss to the Rockets 122 to 121 continuing a theme of one point wins and losses that will one day bite us in the butt and I uh, can't wait for that to happen then the Spurs game Philip and I had a cute little date on Sunday afternoon we were like dude let's let's watch a game together we haven't watched a game in a while I went over to his place and
2: what a what a (laughs) game it was What a game it was. Uh, hey if, those those baked barbecue Lay's chips that we got might have been the highlight of the afternoon. I
1: was going to say if it weren't for you making some delicious coffee for me and <laughs> me having your wife bring me baked Lay's because I'm a little mm, fatty. Baked Lay's <laughs> and
0: coffee. I, yeah. I,
1: hey, don't even don't even come after my barbecue baked Lay's. It was a it was a good time. Good times were had by all. Uh the Suns just destroyed the Spurs. And then the state of Texas got its revenge last night as Dallas beat the Suns 130 to 111 in a game that was not close with starting with about five minutes left in the first quarter. Uh, And I'm pretty excited I have a fun, a fun little stat to share about that. We got five games. I know our highs, lows, just so you know, will probably allow us to talk about some of the bigger points that we took from it. But initial reactions, Ryan, I already know you made a comment about losing to the Rockets. Uh, Anything else really just jump out at you in terms of just like immediate takeaways after watching these games? Because they were very different games. It was a it was a weird slate where. Different guys were hot, different guys struggled. You go three and two. I don't know how to react or overreact. And at the end of the day, the Suns are still first in the West. They got a half game lead over number two, but even through a, a weird stretch, they're first in the West, which I personally would never have predicted through the first, where are we at now, uh, 24 games. So how how are you feeling, I guess, about the team in general and I guess where they're standing after this week?
0: I'm I'm glad we've done what we've done this early to give ourselves the positioning standings-wise. Um, I think we're through some of the easier weeks that we're going to have for a while. So the fact that with all the injuries we've gone through, with all some of the the uh, mixed match lineups that we've been playing with, um, for the most part, we've taken care of business. And yes, we've dropped some frustrating games here and there, several one-point losses. We, we've made it through this part of the season with the number one record. Now, that being said, we are about to have um some tough weeks ahead as you look ahead to the schedule you've got celtics and then you've got pelicans twice in a row the rockets again clippers who are playing pretty well pelicans again lakers who are playing much better grizzlies nuggets we're about to get into some really tough basketball so i'm thankful that we have for the most part again as i said without dropping those games here and there have positioned ourselves within the standings to be in a good place as we head into this more rigorous part of the
1: the, the season. Philip, how are you feeling about, I guess, the team in general
2: after this last week and a half? Confused and a little tired of the inconsistency. And I don't know if this is a familiarity breeds contempt, but the team is so up and down right now depending on the game. And I know some of that is the NBA season, but there was a there was a consistency that I came to expect from the suns at least last year, especially especially defensively, that is just not there right now and then when it comes to consistency, I was actually let me back up I was doing some soul searching this week as to why campaign stands out so much to me in the way he plays. And we talked about it a little bit last week. And I do think it's the inconsistency that he brings to the table. And that kind of typifies some of the frustrations with the team this year. Like some games, the Suns will look outstanding defensively. And then other games like against the Kings, like against the Magic a few weeks ago, they're getting burned on really simple back cuts and movements and they're not talking and guards are getting switched up on pin downs and that sort of thing so i think the suns are being inconsistent right now chalk some of that up to injury chalk some of that up to funky rotations i'm just not used to that in the time that i've been watching the suns seriously and there are probably suns fans who have been suns fans for more than a decade who are laughing and saying Yes, this inconsistency right. is okay because the consistency we're used to is being trash the last decade, so the fact that they're hitting highs and some lows this year is probably understandable with the circumstances surrounding the team I think the consistency's a good piece, and I think you you both mentioned one thing:
1: the injury bug has been rough I mean even just this last week and a half, the sun's had three different starting lineups uh and this is not a, a, a shot at you, Ryan. It was just a humorous callback. I think it was three or four episodes ago when I was listing the injuries and I was like, yep, we're going to have time without Chris Paul. And your optimism was like, oh, it just says day to day with the heel. And I was like, "It," which it did. And it still will. You know what I mean? Like it is CP3 still. out. <laughs> yeah. Like Ryan is showing his notes into the camera for those listening. But yeah, I mean, that's, that was a red flag for me. There's no reason to rush him back. I get it. But just this week, we've had Dario in the starting lineup. We had Tori in the starting lineup, got hurt. We had Ish in the starting lineup, which that's a cool little story for, for him getting his first start. But that's been tough. I also think that people focus on like, well, different starting rotations, but different starting rotations mean different rotation rotations And you're seeing a lot of guys playing more minutes with people they're not accustomed to. You also see the center rotation getting messed with again after what felt like a, all right, busy's in, jocks out. Then you see jock brought back into the fold. And every interview is how much money loves him and how things are great. And that's confusing. I I think we were really spoiled last year because last year there were injuries, but the injuries were kind of one at a time. It was like they were nice enough to wait to let someone get back before someone else decided to take a break. And this year it's, all right, no Cam Johnson. What does that mean? You're like, okay, Tory Craig. Well, what happens when he's out? And and you just see, I think, the problem when you don't have the depth that maybe you need to have. The funny part about this is, though, if if you ask me what, my concern is when it comes to the playoffs or winning a championship, it has nothing to do with depth. It has to do with uh, the starting five and a and the need for more star power, which is something I, Philip and I have talked about off air a good bit recently. So I think all of that is like the fact that I can have probably like a, a list. That's an entire notepad of weird things that have made this season weird. Like, I think that makes sense. And so when you see The Rockets game, followed by the Spurs game, followed by the Mavericks game. I don't think it makes sense to have your reaction be like, oh, crap, what's wrong? I think we've already explained why there are inconsistencies. The big question is just going to be what can right the ship in some ways. And if you take more of a bird's eye view, which Philip, based on your early comment, I think you're going to. When we try to look at it in more holistic view, it's like, "Okay, no matter who's out there. Is the offense looking the way it needs to? Is the defense looking the way it needs to? Because those are team things. Those aren't weird rotations all the time or whatever. Like at the end of the day, whatever five you got out there, they need to play Suns basketball. And that's been my frustration. There's a lot of times where they're not playing Suns basketball, which I think has been kind of typified last year by good intense defense, right? Like that That being so shaky is the, the part that I am a little concerned about. But I don't, and well, I'll ask you, I personally don't look at any of those five games and say I have found a major red flag that concerns me. Like, was there any one game that really bothered you guys? Or is it more of a big picture of, wow, the highs are high, the lows are low. We need to see how this thing kind of stables out.
2: The Luka question is still there. For the Suns and that that's just looking big picture playoff wise, who guards them for the Suns right now? I'm genuinely asking.
1: Well, but. so here's something that I did upon my watch and then focused rewatch. Luca. So the starting rotation, let's just talk. Let's just talk Mavs game. It's fresh on our minds. That's fine. We'll get, we'll get to the rest later. Luca is the Achilles heel, it seems, to the Suns team. The Suns defense switches almost everything, right? I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Most, most of the time, one through w- four, yeah. Yeah. I mean, outside of trying to keep DA where he's at, but like they switch a lot. Luca's going to find someone he wants to try to stop him. If you look at the stats, and this is this is one of my pet peeves based off the, the internet response to last night was, Monty Williams started-ish over Dario. What a stupid decision. The Suns got cooked. That was like point A, point B, and that's the conclusion they came to. If you look at who guarded Luka, the number one player, which is probably obvious, was Mikhail. McHale had the most minutes guarding Luka and did an okay job. I think Luca shot just under 50%. Uh, Next best was Ish. And if you watch the beginning of the first quarter, Ish came out and played very, very well. Fighting through screens, bodying well, contesting shots. So I don't think that was the problem. The issue came when Luca got switched onto Devin. And you saw, and you can see this in the shooting foul numbers, Mikhail, Devin, and D.A., committed shooting fouls on Doncic, but committed two. And one of them was an and one. That's the matchup that Luca was hunting. And we talked about this last episode and I went back and forth with someone on Twitter. Devin defensively, I don't think has been up to par with where he was last season. Yep. And my reasoning, which was also just to end a, a Twitter back and forth, I wouldn't call an argument. I think it was pretty respectful was we have had a stint where they're playing against the Bulls, the Kings, the jazz, the jazz again, like whatever. And it seems like it takes a superstar type person to bring out the dog and Devin defensively. And I think Luca's just in his head. I don't know if that's a armchair psychologist type watching, but like in the first three plays, Luca was making faces at him. Like, are you serious? This is a joke. The dumb foul. Like, I don't know. He just seems to have the Suns number and the Suns don't seem to know quite yep. how to respond to it through playing basketball. And and it just
2: it just unraveled as the game went on. And I think to expand the reason this is relevant to the team big picture is because this is a quality enough team that the playoffs should be in mind year round. The, the only, the only time that this team will not have the playoffs in mind is if Devin Booker suffers a serious, basically a season ending injury. And even then there's a chance, depending on how Chris Paul is, when he comes back from injury and Cam Johnson, that they could still make the playoffs. So these kinds of conversations matter. Like how will this team who honestly struggled to guard Porter jr. And green on the Rockets. How are they going to shape up against players like Luka? And I think even players like Brandon Ingram and some of these bigger, stronger, more physical players in in the league on some of the better teams. And Devin is going to have to be better. Campaign is going to have to be better if he's getting significant minutes. And then you're going to have to live with switching up the defensive schemes pretty consistently. And the little things that Booker is Booker did poorly The other night, like down the stretch in the second half, Landry had a great defensive possession when he got switched onto Luca and Booker got flat footed on the weak side and gave up a wide open corner three. And then barely a minute later, he died on a simple back screen and just didn't fight around the back screen to get a contest on another cross court pass. And it's little stuff like that that you want and need the superstar to be better. And I think last year we saw Booker being more intentional on the defensive end and nailing some of this stuff that we're talking about a little bit better. So again, big picture. I think the Suns have they have enough defensive ability to be a good defensive team it's just a matter of actually seeing it in these different kinds of contexts, like against the Rockets, what do you do with big, strong, explosive guards? And then against the Mavs, what do you do with the big scoring wing? And again, I think there's some transference from a guy like Luca to a guy like B.I.
1: I think one thing that frustrated me, and again, I had to rewatch. So I, So I read everything on Twitter last night after the game and then watched it. And in terms of. A lot of the key things that I assumed to see in a game with a score like that, I was pretty surprised with how well the Suns did in some areas. And I know most people are going to be like, we got killed, whatever it is or it is. three games in four days. The Suns won the rebounding battle. They won the assist number, which is impressive with the score like that. And then the biggest thing to me was they also outscored him in the paint. Like they were getting the shot. And that's with Devin being incredibly inefficient at the rim, by the way, like don't don't look at his shot chart. The only place he shot above 50% was from three. And I think he was one of two. He was horrible around the rim. He was being forced into dumb shots and it wasn't like hero ball shots. It was just, he's well contested and that's not what you want your offense to be. But anyway, they still won the points in the paint battle and it looks closer than it really was because I think they I was trying to count as the game was going on and then double check it. I think they were winning the points in the paint battle, but I think twelve with five minutes left. And then in garbage time, it kind of crept. And I still think they won it by two. But like their sets were working offensively. They were cold. They missed so many open shots. Mikhail missed open shots. I think they had an O seven missed shots in a row within the first quarter. There was a bunch of of just unlucky things happening that I don't chalk up to a game plan failure. Some nights you're playing against the Spurs and you hit everything. Sometimes you're playing against the Mavs and you don't. And on the other side, the Mavs were hitting a bunch. They had a lot of guys who you're typically okay with the offense being get it out of Luca's hand, get it somewhere else. And their other guys were making plays around the rim, through contact, hitting open shots. And so I say all that to say, if if we played that same style, that same whatever in a seven game series, I don't think that game goes that way more than once. That is the they got really hot. We were tired and couldn't buy a bucket. And that's just that's just how it goes. And, and the my favorite. This isn't a stat. This is just something that happened that I lost it. So I knew what the score was, obviously, going into the rewatch, and I knew the end of the first quarter stats. This, I died watching this. With six minutes and 45 seconds left in the first quarter, NBA TV, who was broadcasting the game, did one of their interactive fan moments. They put a QR code on the screen and they let fans vote on their, their little question. So with 645, the score was tied 11 to 11. And here was the question. Who will be the first team to 15 points? Now, if you remember the end of the first quarter score, uh, you'll know the Suns don't score their 15th point until there's 22 seconds left in the quarter. And the Mavericks were at 31 at that point. So I hope you voted Dallas, friends, if you <laughs> put it in that poll. They literally, from that moment on, it was six minutes of mass murder where the Suns looked like they did not know how to play basketball and make a shot. They made horrible decisions. And even the times they did make good decisions and they had open corner threes, they couldn't hit them. Book was getting his patented fadeaway that looked the same as it does against everyone else. It wasn't falling. DA missed Bunny at the rim. McHale's getting wide open threes and missing. And the dude who hits a shot is Ish Wainwright, which is just hilarious. Like it, like it was comical how off it was. And so going back to the inconsistency thing, That was, that was it. Like that was the, oh crap. We can't quite count on everyone to do what we expect them to do. And it just, it, when it rains, it pours type of mentality was that game. And after a first quarter like that, you're thinking, can the Suns really do game one of the NBA season all over again? Can they come back and break the heart of the map? No, no, they can't. And that's insane to think. So Yeah. I think, I think once the lead got up to 30 something, the closest they got it back to was 17. Like it was very clear that it was over. And at that point I can't take much from what I see. So that was my thing. Like, and, and obviously if you want to share some stuff, but after a first quarter like that, which every time we had a small jab, they had a sucker punch. I, I quit taking stock in what I'm watching because I don't think at that point it's fair to pull a lot of info out of it. obviously not to just give up, but like, I'm not going to watch mid third quarter down 29 and say what's what's working. What's not guys. Let's make some grand points about it. Especially when we saw them do everything right the day before. So I don't know. It just, it frustrated me watching everyone just dump on them. Well, the thing is, because it just didn't seem fair when
0: it's the Mavericks and Luca involved, people are going to try and play other narratives to the story. When again, to the point you made earlier in context, it's, Four, uh, three games in four days. With the second game of a back-to-back being against the Mavericks, and you come out, you're tired. You're on the road. You've got your your backup starting point guard or, or power forward out. Right, like uh, it. It's on paper looks like a loss going into the game. Like I don't take to your point. I don't take much stock in it. Would I have loved to have won? Absolutely. Do I think this is further proof that Luca is in the Suns' heads and the Mavericks are going to dominate the Suns moving forward? No, it's just to your point, when it rains, it pours. It was a bad night on a long on a long week.
2: The the only thing, though, is the Suns have to figure something out about Luca. have to because it's like the some of the switching doesn't work. The letting guards take him on screens and stuff like that. Like they got to do something.
1: So the Mavs started the game by playing in a two, three zone and the sun seemed thrown off at least a little bit to start. It seemed like it took a bit to get in rhythm. It just had me thinking like maybe Monty needs to get three different defensive looks and it's well-coached college basketball where you throw up a hand signal and you switch, like make it hard for them to find their rhythm. Even if yes, the Dallas Mavericks can easily dissect a two, three zone, right? that doesn't make it easy if you've not been going against it for the last three possessions or last three sets or whatever. Like, I don't know. I think it's silly to say we're going to play man against them and expect it to go well because we saw in a seven game series how that doesn't work. If anyone with talent, that's not Luca can hit a shot. And green was what? Six of seven, seven of eight, you know, like Hardaway had some confidence, hit some shots. Like if other people are doing anything, you're going to get punished because even, and this is what cracks me up. Even when your defense is, hey, let's shut Luca down and, and make everyone else beat you. The dude still ends with 27 and 10, right? Like, it's, he, he knows how to get his, even when it is your mission. And if he can go against a man, our defense, and get eventually a switch, even if it's with six seconds left in the shot clock, he's still going to get what he wants. It's very reminiscent of LeBron in the bubble playoffs against the Heat. It is, I know who I want to go against. I will make my team do ring around the rosy until I eventually get it. And I'm going to, I'm going to get what I want out of it. It is, I, I don't know. A part of me wants to go watch more Mavericks games to see how other teams are trying to stop that and see what works and what doesn't. And then report back because obviously it just doesn't seem like the Suns have it figured out.
2: And the reality is Lucas is too good of a player for it to be one look. So like a simple, a simple explanation is the way the Suns usually, depit, usually defend a Spain pick and roll. Very simply, Spain pick and roll for those of you who don't watch enough Phoenix Suns basketball, a guard and a big run what looks like a pick and roll and then another shooter back screens for the big and then pops out for three. The way a lot of teams guard that is the guards switch who they're guarding. So guards switch out. But when, when the Suns did that against the Mavs, that was leading, leaving a guy like Campaign guarding Luca. What happens when Campaign guards Luca? Half have, chicken. have oh, to help. Sorry. You have to help. You can't leave him on an island. You can't leave Devin Booker on an island against Luca. So you're have, you have to double down, which great players like Luca can see the court well and they can spray the ball wherever wherever it needs to go. So it has to be different kinds of looks and you have to get creative even on good defensive decisions like that to switch out, to switch out on the Spain pick and roll. It, so it sons have to be creative, but I think in order for them to be creative, guys like Booker and Campaign have to play better individual defense than we saw from them the past five games. The, the strength
1: of someone like Ish or a Jay Crowder, I think can disrupt more than the length of McHale. And that, again, like, I would encourage, if you guys have a way, go back and watch that first quarter. Ish Ish was not a, a pigeon in the way he was depicted because he was a starter and didn't do well. I thought he did very well. The problem is, if you have other holes in your game, it is what it is. The most efficient defender outside of Ish was Josh Okogi, who I thought was a, a nice, rare, bright spot. We've said it this whole time. If he can hit his shot, he's going to be on the court because of how well he does defensively, but I think he ended up actually having, and it was with less minutes, which is why it's a little skewed, but he did really well guarding Luka when those moments happened and just defense in general, because he's not going to be outmatched by a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, all this to say, I think the Luka problem exists just like it existed last year, and it exists for probably every team that goes against the Mavs. We have, we have till game 83 potentially to figure it out. And we'll have to see what that looks like. And we say all this again, needing, needing to remember, I think, just for optimistic sake, like first in the West, sitting in a good spot. Problem is <laughs> a team like the Mavs could be that eighth spot or that seventh spot. And the West looks crazy. The Pelicans are a half game back at two. I think right after that is Nuggets and then Kings, maybe that's, I could be wrong on that one. I mean, it's, it's a weird jumble. But because of that, that means matchup hunting towards the end of the season is going to be very interesting to watch. But all right, we've talked a lot of Mavs. We're 30 plus minutes in at this point, guys. Let's go go to the reason that people come back week after week. Our highs, our lows, and our just so you know's in Phoenix Suns basketball. Uh, Let the spirit move you how you will. I do think we probably should keep it a little concise uh, Mm -hmm. after after that. Um, Unless, as always, Ryan has some just so you know that's so incredibly out there that he does need his own TED Talk. I always allow those because they always make me smile. Uh, But, Ryan, go ahead and kick us off. What is your high this week? And if it's uh, Chicago-related, just make sure you're being kind to everyone in the group. No, this
0: week my TED Talk is actually my high. Um, And my high is the way DA played against Demontis Sabonis in that Kings game. Um, going into that game, D.A. was Western Conference Player of the Week, so he'd been playing very well. Coming in, Demonte Sabonis had also been playing very well. For anybody who hadn't been keeping up, going into the game against the Suns, uh, Sabonis was holding opponents to 53% shooting at the rim, which is 12% higher, um, or excuse me, lower than than league average, and is third best in the league at the rim going into that Suns game. Um, and as of the Suns game, when I took the this note, Um, He was holding opponents to 16 of 51% shooting. Um, So Sabonis had been coming in playing well. Aiton had come in playing well. In seven games against each other going into that game, D.A. had only outscored Sabonis one time and had not out-rebounded Sabonis at all. Uh, Going into the matchup, D.A. had been averaging 15, 11, and and 1.5 against Sabonis, while Sabonis was averaging almost 20, 13.5, and 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 5.5 against D.A., so Sabonis had been dominating that matchup. If you look at at the way that played out, I thought DA played him very well. I thought he played a really solid game start to finish against the Kings. Uh but they ended up tying with 17 points each. Eight and out rebounding him for the first time 12 to 9 um and shot 8 of 10. So again, Sabonis is holding the players to about 53% at the rim and holding shooting 16 to 51 and Eight and went 8 of 10. So um, I try to keep that as short as, as possible just because we have run a little long, but that is my high of the week. Aiton has been playing tremendous, even in some of the down games this week. He still looked good. Uh and, and props to the kid for for coming out and showing up against one of his tougher
2: opponents. Philip, what is your high? I really like the Devin Booker passed in the clutch against the Rockets. It made me very <laughs> proud of him. So Suns had Dealey, which I also love that Dealey was on the court. Deeley, Aiton, and McHale were on the right side of the is, court, and Campaign had spaced to. I was going to say, is Campaign
1: taking the game-winning shot a part of this high? Or, it was. Uh...
2: I, it was twenty seconds left in the game. I just like that. It, it was, was a good. In the no, coach. it
1: was a good look. I know. I'm just
2: messing with you. So what happens? And the Rockets are kind of in a helpless position there. One of the cardinal sins in basketball is helping from the strong side, which is from the corner. You don't help from the strong side corner because that's one of the easiest shots in basketball, most efficient shots in basketball. But the Rockets defender collapsed on Booker. He immediately, like no hesitation, kicked it to Cam in the corner and they got a corner three from a really good catch and shoot three-point shooter in campaign. I love that. That's the kind of decision-making I want to see from Booker. I love the 44, the 51 against the Bulls ripped my heart out. He absolutely destroyed Vooch and he destroyed young Patrick Williams the entire game but then the little stuff like that against the rockets I love when I see it like it's it's good decision making on a night when you already have 40 points and 8 assists and that could have been his ninth of the game
1: well wasn't the final possession he also passed up hero ball to kick it to pain on the left wing that's what I'm they tried right like he had i mean I'm saying it's back to back possessions within the last minute where he didn't do what we have grown accustomed to and and obviously, oh, I, I see, think, I see.
2: You're talking about the one where Payne tied it up, one twenty-one, one twenty-one.
1: Right? Yes,
2: yes. Like because it, because, it, because there was helping more. off Booker from that exactly. Side.
1: Yeah, he he made a lot of good to say. It's unfortunate into that game. I actually yep. caught the end of that one with you as well, and I then fell on the floor and was very sad <laughs> and scared your child. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, she didn't like that very much. But I think they had what four shots to to go ahead in the last ten seconds. It was, it was brutal. But no, I mean. I think, I think those are both good call outs. I think Aiton has just been, I mean, you talk about consistency. I think Aiton has been really consistent and not just box score in terms of deliverables on the court, what to expect His quick reads, his quick decision, his passing has continued to look good. Uh, he's been great. I think Mikhail has shown flashes that don't seem to be outliers anymore. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of highs um, this week. Mine is I, I had to pick between a couple and a lot of it was bench related. I think Landry is looking like himself ever since a concussion. He seemed a little off and I think you can make easy concussion jokes, but I'm just, it, he seemed a little slow to get back up to speed and offensively. I know sons view him as a polarizing figure, which I think is hilarious given that his personality seems to be very meek and mild, but whatever. Offensively, he looks more confident with his shot. They're dropping. That's great. Defensively, I think he has shown like, oh, yeah, that was missed. Like the Dwayne Washington defense minutes versus Landry, now that he's kind of back where he needs to be night and day. And I know a lot of folks are, are hoping the best for Washington and I, I hope he does great as well. Uh, so I thought about Landry. I thought about Akogi. I think he had a couple really bright spots where he showed more value than just a defensive hound who comes in for a three minute stint. I thought about Ish Wainwright. Ish Wainwright went six of 12 from three in the last five games and offensively I think might make some of us eat some words about you know, what he's capable of, because defensively, I think he does well. And, and I think he can play himself out of just fan favorite 13th guy on the bench into to someone who makes an impact, which would be great. Uh But I settled on Dario. Dario's had a rough, rough, rough go the last few years. Going from someone who I think was viewed as a, a part of the future of the Suns, going back to the bubble and what was done there. And he's just had some horrible luck. And I, I hate that for him. I, I, I'm at a point now where I don't think he is a, a, a crucial part of, of what the Suns are building. And, and, you know, that it happens. But him having his big night was really, really cool. Uh, 17 points, four or five from three. And the team was loving it. And I think that was that was the best part. It was it was clear that they wanted him to succeed and, and find himself and that was my my feel good moment for this past week. So, a lot of good stuff from the bench and that's again while Devin Booker is dropping 40 and 50 and 40 again. Uh a lot of good stuff in a weird week. Uh we'll move to, we'll move to our lows. Philip, I'm guessing I know what you're going to talk about so I'll go ahead and
2: let you take it. The defense was trashed this week. <laughs> the the last 5 games. So, just this week the defensive rating was 114 and a half, which would be good for 27th in the league. So again, if you're unfamiliar with those kind of stats, that means the Suns are allowing 114.5 points per 100 possessions. It's just awful defense. Now, the Suns saving grace this week was that their offensive rating was unreal. It was 122.8. That's phenomenal. But just quick thoughts from three of the games. Kings, the Suns got torched off ball. Rockets struggled on ball against Porter and Green. And then Mavs, we've already covered it in some detail. None of the guards, none of them are effective against Luka Doncic. I, this, is, this is simple. This sounds old. This is get-off-my-lawn basketball stuff. I want to see the Suns making some noticeable improvements, especially at the 1-2 and two defensively, specifically the starters.
1: I mean, you can go ahead and use their names. I mean, I, I, I agree with you, man. Like I Booker defense has been bad. And I think, I think we talked about it last week or the week before campaign is as inconsistent as they come. It is a very weak point where if you look at how they have been, who has taken advantage of them, when you talk about the weak defense, it's been the guards every single time. And I I think that's a, that's a really good call out, uh Ryan. What was your low for for this uh, funky week?
0: My low is we are now fourteen games with day to day heel soreness <laughs> out like uh, what aren't they telling us? I don't he's mean hanging to go with, con-
1: he's hanging with Jay Crowder somewhere maybe i don't know
0: <laughs> i don't I don't want to go all conspiracy theory but what are they not telling us? What is actually going on what What is more than heel soreness that keeps you out fourteen games with a day to day status i Something smells fishy. I don't like it. That's my low. I just want more information. I feel like at this point they they need to put something out there to give an explanation of what that is. Because right now it's kind of a joke. My heel has been sore for 14 straight games. I'm chilling with Cliff Paul.
2: What if, what if Chris Paul is actually a trade chip right now? I'm,
1: I wasn't going to bring
0: it up. I had the thought coming into tonight's episode of if I should ask that.
2: No, I'm completely kidding.
1: He's not a trade. Ain't, ain't no one giving values to a man with only one heel. <laughs> Who's a vegan. <laughs> hey, Ethan, what's your love for the week, man? Uh, speaking of Chris Paul, he was in the news. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. The, uh, a certain Chicago based rapper does not get to do it. Uh, I want to make a quick, it's rare when people hop in the comments, Uh, Aussie Suns fans pod hopped in the comments and said, Devin Booker has his best
2: defensive rating of his career at 112.8. That's fine. He was trashed this week. Right. Watch the Mavs game in the second quarter. Can I just go in real quick? In the second quarter of the Mavs game, I would have pulled him for the second half. Like If it was a young kid and you watch how flat-footed he was and then... Literally no effort to close out to his guy in the corner at the end of the first half against the Mavs. I would have sat him down. It was pathetic. And that's not a one-off. It's not a one-off. He has been struggling the last couple of weeks. I won't go as in depth. My current pet peeve, because that's a similar
1: number was thrown at me on Twitter where it's like last year he was the number one defensive rating shooting guard. Defensive rating is a team stat. Defensive rating is a number that is attributed to you based on what the five players are doing collectively. You, There are some funny examples of players who have had great defensive ratings on certain teams because of what was happening around them. And if, if you look at the Suns' defense as a whole last season, it would make sense why all five of their starters were where they were. In this season, the Suns defensively seem to have it figured out early on. But I agree. Go watch watch him play defense. I I was feeling a little petty and I chose not to go down the rabbit hole. The amount of offensive rebounds that were attributed to his man was a surprising number. The amount of screens that he did not fight through, surprising number. Like it was rough and that's fine. Like that doesn't mean he's a bad defender. Hmm. I think it I, I think it is effort and it's hard to quantify effort. There's no magic rating I can throw out there. But when you watch him play defense for the last I'm going to say three weeks at this point, even when they were winning. Three weeks of defense, watch his effort, and then go watch clips from last season or the playoffs or whatever when he is stuck one on one against a Luca, a Paul George, a whoever. Donovan Mitchell. Right. Like someone <laughs> who he seems like he really wants to yeah. shut up. It's a different human playing defense. Yeah. And he's not going to get riled up over a Kevin Porter Jr. or whoever right like and that frustrates me like i want i want you to have your pride in the defense that i think we saw last year because it was his his one weak point in in the general media's argument right everyone's like he plays uh, lots of points great offense defensively he does nothing and last year he stepped up the intensity i don't think he became a magically better defender i don't think his fundamentals incredibly changed he tried and it was clear and i think this year at the beginning there was effort, and I think as the starting five around him has started to change and move and things aren't quite the norm, it's not been there. I'll I'll be done. But anyway, I it is what it is. Uh, and Ryan, another comment does say, Chris Paul has been upgraded to questionable for the Boston <laughs> game. Uh, Aussie Suns fans pod wanted us to low, uh, along with Torrey Craig. I think Tory Craig might play. I was going to
0: say, I believe one of those <laughs> might play.
1: I think I think Chris Paul is still going to be rocking his vegan hoodie on the sideline and there'll be some something who knows Uh, my my low for for the week. Just a a quick uh, I'll keep mine real short. Uh, Jay Crowder still on the team (laughs) legitimately another week Uh, and a half at least get to December 15th. James Jones is now the guy with the titles to prove it now. He he has more say and more control of what happens. When asked about it within the press conference and the media that came after, it, it's like he basically said a trade will happen. It something's going to happen. He's not coming back. He, they've made that very clear. I I don't know what Jay Crowder can be doing to increase his stock right now, other than more Instagram videos. Other other people getting hurt on other teams. I don't know if the Suns are hoping that. Shamits and Sarichs and others increase their value so that they can have a better deal to send somewhere. I I wouldn't put it past them. I don't think you need to have the best seven, eight, nine. If you can turn those into a, a four in terms of overall, overall value. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm tired of it. I'm just ready for it to be done. Uh, so that's, that's my low. He's still on the team. And that frustrates me. Ugh. Anyway, you can only do so much, but the jokes are funny. I do like the jokes. I also like on Instagram, he, his Instagram story, because I still hate, I, I don't hate follow. I actually like him a lot, but I follow out of curiosity and someone sent him a DM that basically was like, I think it just said, you washed, bro. <laughs> <As if laughs> and I he, he cared enough to share that on his story and basically was like, you wait and see. And I'm like,
2: how does anybody know if he's washed? I'm um, maybe that's there's... how I feel
1: with my
0: podcast haters when they send me a hate mail. Okay. Let's move yeah.
2: on.
1: All right. Just so you know, Ryan, other than the fact that you apparently have podcast haters, what do you got?
0: I would love for Aiden to be an all-star. Uh, but when you look at the West, there are just some elite bigs playing right now. And that is my just so you know. I'm already anticipating people being annoyed about that. If you look at Anthony Davis over the last nine games, who's playing essentially like a Super Saiyan or a Titan from Attack on Titan or whatever those things are called. Wow, I haven't and watched, watched and it. Double I'm and trying, and to, reference. trying to trying wow. to relate. Uh, averaging around 33, 15 and three and a half blocks a game. The dude is a freak. DeMontis Sabonis averaging 17 10 and 6, Jokic 22 9 and 9, Aiton playing incredibly well averaging 16 9 and 2. Um so I would just say context is important. Ayton is playing great. We can all recognize that he's playing phenomenally right now. I would love to see him get an All-Star nod. I doubt it's going to happen especially if Anthony Davis keeps playing the way he he is. Because if Anthony Davis keeps playing all season how he is currently, there are very few people in the league better than Anthony Davis. That's my just so you know.
1: Yeah. Love
0: to AD, love to Aiton, love to Sabonis, love to Jokic. They're all playing incredibly well. Aiton is
1: just a little bit under. I think Devin Booker's got his locked away at least. <laughs> I hope he's so. he's he's doing his he's doing his best. Uh, Philip, what, what's your just so you know? And and maybe it won't be about defense.
2: <laughs> it's not. It's about Devin Booker. I am ready to revisit the conversation from the offseason. For Row. Is for he those, creeping? He creeping yep. up. For those of you who have listened for a while, and maybe for the Aussie Suns fan pod hopping in the comments right now. We're all Devin Booker fans. We just try to think rightly about exactly where he falls within the NBA. And I think we all said, well, not all of us. Our general consensus was he was right outside of the top 10 players in the NBA last year. I'm ready because of his recent performance. I'm ready to take a look at that again and contextualize it right now with this season, with what we've seen from other players I have a feeling at least for Ethan and me he will be higher also real quick DA so one about Booker I'm ready to have a conversation about where he is DA even after he had a bit of a stinker against the Rockets he still averaged 20 and 10 on 71 percent from the field and just 12 shots over the last five games that's good yeah uh I mean that is an accurate
1: statement. I cannot argue with that. Uh, my just so you know, and it's more of a question to the listeners. I would love some some thought from you all on this one. Whether you want to, uh, I don't know. Just yell into your headphones. I don't know. I don't think that'll work. Uh, well, but what you could do is tweet us at the Valley PHX. Um, I would love to hear your your thoughts on this. My just so you know. Is that when looking at the past NBA champs, I think there is uh, uh, something that sticks out. And I want to read you these teams and then make my point. Past NBA champs, Golden State Warriors, Milwaukee Bucks, the Lakers, the Raptors, the Warriors, the Warriors, the Cavs, the Wars, the Spurs, the Heat, the Heat. Basically, it's a bunch of LeBron and Curry teams. Uh, And then even dating back, you have to go all the way back to the Dallas Mavericks of 2011. I don't think you can win an NBA championship with only one star. I personally think that the way that our team is constructed, my my just so you know, is I think we have to start looking for that star because looking at history would, would validate the idea that maybe we need to do something to make that change. And I think there's probably two camps. There's probably a camp that says that other star is on the roster and they're just going to blossom. Maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe DA takes a leap. That'd be a lot to ask of the guy. Uh, But I think we can all confirm. Mikhail won't be doing that. I think we all know it's not Cam Johnson and we think Chris Paul is uh, trending down. so, my, just so you know, is NBA winners usually have a lot of star power and the stats, the stats in the history, back that up. So I want to have a conversation about that. Uh, next episode, uh, Aussie Suns fan pod asks a valid question. And I was going to touch on this. He said, who was the second star on the warriors last season? I, I think that is a valid question. Uh, my answer probably isn't one that people are going to like Philip. Did you have a, a comment on that? Yeah, it was
2: Andrew Wiggins, Wiggins. but he wasn't a he wasn't a star in the traditional sense. His his rebounding was so good. His defense against on both both
1: sides, and you could say the same thing with because people don't view Chris Middleton as a star. But if you look through the NBA Finals in that playoff run, you know, and that's 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 it. Like what typically you would look for with Clay Thompson was found with other people, and again, when you have an entire team like that but go ahead a couple,
2: couple of things Aussie Suns fan you have a dope logo for yeah I was gonna YouTube. I was gonna say Great I was checking YouTube. out oh, your YouTube awesome. while that's I was bad. talking it looks really it looks, good it looks really but, cool. but then the other thing too is we think about stars kind of in tiers or in categories Steph Curry played in the playoffs and especially in the finals at a level that Devin Booker has never reached in games that matter Like a great deal. He obviously reached about as high of a tier as you possibly can this past week in these past five, six, seven games. We've never seen Booker like that consistently in the finals. So the Warriors, we think the way we kind of think about stars had a little bit more breathing room down to their second star than the Suns have had in past playoff iterations. But that's why I said I'm ready to revisit that conversation, and maybe that gap has closed from where Steph Curry performed last year to where Devin Booker could potentially perform come playoff time. And
1: that's the conversation I I want us to have whenever we we
2: take the time to put
1: it together. Our offseason opinion, I think, was you have to have a Kevin Durant as the second star to win a finals if Booker is one of them. I think if Booker continues to play the way he is, mm-hmm. who that second person doesn't, who that second person needs to be does not have to be Durant level. Yes. I still think it needs to be above an Ayton level, definitely above a McHale level, but by Booker's increase, that need for that second to be wherever, decrease, and you can see it, you can see it with a handful of those teams that were mentioned, right? Like, but it's also very, Clear
2: to see what happens when a team like that loses that star and i and uh, I think we can we can say that for the for the warriors just to continue using them as an example, the role that Andrew Wiggins played was taking Mikhail bridges and turning him up several notches. And so then there's the, there's the template to have a big, strong wing who can defend exceptionally well, who can rebound, who can knock down open shots, and then has playmaking ability that might be a little bit more limited than some of the past second stars that they've had.
1: I was going to say, I think, I think Wiggins and Poole both were able to cover some of the later career deficiencies that you're seeing from Draymond and Clay that they used to have. Uh, But again, I think an honest look at our roster says, are we built in the fashion of what we have found to be an NBA champion? And my answer is no. And as we get closer to, especially that January 15th date, I think it'll be interesting to see if James Jones agrees, because I mean, you're first in the West, you've got Booker playing the way he is. I mean, it's, there's no way to not think that they think this is the window. You know what I mean? Like this is it. If you've got the opportunity, you got to go for it. Um, So yeah, that was, that was kind of my, my thought exercise going into this episode of just, just thinking like Aiton is taking a step up. I think McHale's improving. I think book is doing everything we asked of him defense aside for the last two and a half, three weeks. Uh, But what's, what's it going to take? And it's the same reason I don't think the Mavs could win the finals. And people might, Mavs fans may disagree, I don't know. But the Mavs are not, I'll go ahead and chalk. The Mavs will not win a final until Luka has someone else alongside him. The heliocentric model will not work. It won't work with him. It hasn't worked with others in many, many ways. Dating back to the booby Gibson calves with LeBron. That's just not going to work. You saw what it took for LeBron to get the ring. It took someone else playing alongside him who you could count on. Devin Booker doesn't have that. And I think he needs that. And I'm very nervous about what version of Chris Paul we're going to get when he comes back based off the version of Chris Paul we had to begin the year. I think time has separated us from what we did see on the court when he was out there. Uh, So I'm I'm curious. I hope he, I hope you're right. I hope he plays against Boston. I hope he finds his footing and we we see what we've got. But anyway, gentlemen, it has been wonderful talking to you about Suns basketball. We have eclipsed the hour mark, which is something we don't do very often. So for those that are still listening or watching, we see we've we've got a a little handful of folks watching. Thank you. We appreciate you. Uh like I said, we're going to be sticking to Our Sunday night, Monday night, typically record and post. Um, But again, be on the lookout start of next year for the Saturday morning uh, episodes. For those that listen, won't change too much. You're just going to be hearing us on a different day. Uh, But for those that want to watch, who want to join on the YouTube channel, feel free to subscribe and like and do all the things that apparently make. People come back for more. I don't know how things work. Um, Aussie Suns fan. Thank you for hopping in the comments. Uh, The episode was different because of you and we appreciate your involvement uh, and making this uh, even that even that much cooler guys. uh, We've talked about a lot. We've pooped on some people. We've praised other people. Uh, Anything that needs to be said before
2: we bring this thing to a close. We all like Devin Booker. We all like campaign. We all root for the Suns. But didn't campaign play for the Bulls, Philip? Okay, or- go
0: hey.
1: son. <laughs> Three all right, Ryan. Anything? Anything needs to be said? Hey, thanks for all the support, guys. All, all you folks listening means a lot yeah. to us. Uh, and Philip, anything you personally would like to add? Go son. I'm Ethan Shutt, and for Philip and wow. Ryan, the valley the Valley Finishing Podcast. Yeah. yeah.